Hey everybody, Katie here. Um, this episode was recorded over Zoom, so if it sounds a little bit different, that's what's going on, but let's jump right into the episode. Coming to you from the Strings and Things studio in Ventura, California, <laughs> this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. Welcome. Welcome. Um, the uh, book we've done this month is The Night Circus by Erin um, Morgenstern. A physical book. Wow. What's that like? <laughs> I love this book. I, I read it like spotty to pop into it because you can tell it's in like very good condition still. Um, books that I actually read get well abused. Someone lent me a book and she's like, I'm so sorry the corner is bent. <laughs> <laughs> And she already considered the book ruined by the other person who borrowed it. So I'm like, <laughs> I was another one. I lent her the Sea Women, and I had only like popped in and out of that book too. So it was in very good condition as well. I'm like, I'm not that fussy, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, most of my books are all bent and the spine is cracked. And uh, I mean, I do try to care for my books, but um, you gotta show them. I don't know, show the use, love of use, or whatever. Sure. Um, so I really enjoyed this book. Uh, the summary is as follows. The circus arrives without warning. No announcements proceed. It is simply there when yesterday it was not. Within the black and white striped canvas tents is an utterly unique experience full of breathtaking amazements. It is called Le Cirque de Rave, and it is only open at night. But behind the scenes, a fierce competition is underway, a duel between two young magicians, Celia and Marco, who have been trained since childhood expressly for this purpose for their mercurial instructors. Unbeknownst to them, this is a game in which only one can be left standing, and the circus is but the stage for a remarkable battle of imagination and will. Despite themselves, however, Celia and Marco tumble headfirst into love, a deep, magical love that makes the lights flicker and the room grow warm wherever they so much as brush hands. Don't True we always feel that way when we're in love? <laughs> True love or not, the game must play out and the fates of everyone involved. From the cast of the extraordinary circus performers to the patrons, hang in the balance, suspended as precariously as the daring acrobats overhead. Written in rich, seductive prose, this spell-casting novel is a feast for the senses and the heart. I agree with all of that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I have a confession to make in that I'm the loser this episode who didn't read the book. So <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, there were a lot of things going on in December, and I, like, completely lost track of the months. And then, you know, I had 13 hours of book to listen to, and just I couldn't do it. So I'm going to act as moderator this uh week okay. i'll 1. ask questions 1.6 speed because i wanted to re-listen to it because on the first go i knew i had missed things uh -huh. <laughs> um and so i think that there are not only two timelines going i think it's three timelines going what do you think I, um, you can see the, the circus one circus there's the one with bailey what do, you th what do you think the third one is? The third one is present time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't, isn't Bailey in present time? No, Bailey's in 1902. 
oh, he's in and out. He's, I see what you mean. He is in a timeline. Yeah. Just not the, I could see that. The book opens on um, 1873 with a five-year-old Celia. And then it goes through Celia and Marco's upbringing and formation. And then into the circuses formation and operation. And then there's Bailey who pops in in, I can't remember if he starts in 1902. That's where the book was helpful because that's what I knew I was missing is I didn't understand there were two timelines for like a long time. <laughs> yeah. The problem with books like that, that switch back and forth is you don't exactly realize what's going on at the beginning. And then you're kind of confused until you catch up with yourself. I'm a linear thinker. I have to think, I don't mind multiple timelines. I just have to stop and think of, wait a minute, where am I? When am I? Am right. I now? Am I then? Where I, when am I in the story? And that, that it, sometimes I don't like to have to work that much. I didn't mind it in this one though, because there's a lot that happens in each section. It's a cav like it's a buyer beware of the audiobook in the scenario because she gives us the dates as she moves through the timelines, except for my accusation that there's a, a present timeline. Every, all the um, points of view that say that are second person, I think are, are the current timeline. Unfortunately though, when they're giving me the times and dates, I completely ignored that part and didn't really pay attention because it's just like when you have to listen to a history uh, when you're reading a history book and you had to memorize the dates and th that things happened and I don't do well with chronological date just tell me it's now or it's then I, <laughs> I don't care exactly too. when I have a problem with that too when I'm listening to an audiobook is it the beginning of the chapter they'll say a date and time and I just totally am spaced out and then I'm like wait what year is it what month is it I don't know <laughs> was that important yeah that, I don't know really, <laughs> is that important I don't know <laughs> that's what really prompted me to go back and listen a second time and now that I have like hindsight and I'm paying attention to the dates now um it's all so much clearer and like what she crafted and wove together is a lot clearer because it's very intentional for this author to know yeah. for us to know that she's moving through the timelines I think so one of the questions says um the narrative follows a non-linear sequence shifting at times from present to past how effective is this method in revealing conflict in the novel? Conflict. I, I do think also it's important to note that time does not flow at the same rate throughout this novel. You are going in, in backward and forward, but you're not, time does not, within the realm of the circus itself, time does not flow in the same rate that it does outside of the circus. It flows in the same rate. It's the people aren't aging. They're like in a like protective bubble. Hmm. They are, but that's what I mean. Their life does not, their person, their day to day does not, I, I think is slowed. I don't think so. It's just the, the aging process that's slowed. Yeah. Yeah. They, but they I still think that that's happen. still time passing. But they well, might bodily passing. What? They still live the night at the same rate as the people who are coming to the, the to the circus. Mm. Like, like an like, hour is an hour, but they're just not getting any older. They're not aging. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
they're not aging, they're not getting sick, and they're not getting pregnant. There's only, the only children are Poppet and Widget, who are twins who are born on the day the bonfire is ignited, which is... Which is interest, an interesting point, that how could they even grow in the womb and be born? That's what's confusing to me, because they're the only ones who age. And I, I'm trying to, on the second listen, trying to, because I'm in the middle of that one, I'm uh-huh. trying to understand, like, why can they grow an age at a normal rate? Because they are the age they like the chronological age since they're You're right. They grow at the same rate that Bailey does, even though he's not he's only occasionally at the circus. I feel like I've experienced other narrative works and I can't think of one right now, like a movie or book or something, where like children will grow up into a certain point and then they stop aging and then they're stuck at that but I don't know what it is, but it seems familiar to me. That's what I'm wondering about, like, her intention is if she continued on with this story, which, I mean, I don't know why she would, because she wraps it up with a pretty tidy bow. But is that, is that the fate, as, as the reader, is that the fate of Bailey and of the twins, that they're going to just get to adulthood? And, and another thought I was having is, like, well, maybe not. I was just having this thought this morning that Celia and Marco are going to be like very contemporary to the twins and Bailey at the point when Bailey joins the circus. One of the um, questions that I'm seeing, which I, we might've already just answered by going through this, but preemptively um, it says, what role does time play in the novel from Frederick Thiessen's clock to the delayed aging of the circus developers to the birth of the twins is time manipulated or faded at the circus? Oh gosh! I think it's both. Well, I think I... the clock is a heartbeat, mm-hmm. and I think that the circus definitely has its own rhythm. So I don't think you were wrong in that, Karen. Okay, but the clock is the heartbeat of the circus. The clock is de- yeah. The clock is definitely an important part. It's just like the fire helps manipulate the conditions of the people who are part of the circus, I think the clock is kind of like what helps control the circus. Although, who decides where? It never. I ne- who decides where and when the circus? The schedule of the circus. You know, I don't know. Is that Celia and Marco? That that I don't think they're really aware of like why a circus goes to a certain place or when. I guess that kind of is the point of the of the question is 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 somebody manipulating it or is it fate like is that just it's hard to tell because there is a manipulator in the story there's um celia's father Mm -hmm. but isn't uh, prospero also part of that or no no prospero so he's trying to bind like do that binding spell right Mm -hmm. or it's not a binding spell it's a he wants to be ethereal i guess or ephemeral like not uh, not substantial right he wants to be able to I think move. he's a victim of his own genius i think he did a spell and it back it would work too well and it backfired and he got stuck well, the way that celia describes it i think is very good of like like he she talks about when she's trying to explain what happened to marco it's like if you broke the glass that holds the wine it mm-hmm of the ocean 
the wine still exists, but now it's dispersed throughout the entire ocean and he can't come back together again in any substantial way. So by not having bound himself to a place, he, he's this, these loose particles that he has to work very hard to come together again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when he does come together, like bad things happen. <laughs> You know, I don't understand the motivation of murdering Hertison. I think that he killed Tara, but I'm not sure. I'm oh, not- yeah. I totally think Tara was murdered because I think that she started questioning. As long as you went along and was were willing to be used however the game makers wanted you to be used, you were you were fine. But I think she questioned. Game maker, like, like game maker. Prospero created like planted the seed of the circus in Chandresh mm-hmm. and then disappeared himself and then Celia does her contrib- contributions and Marco does his contributions but no one's exactly telling either of them those are their inventions true and then don't forget you've got uh Tsukiko in the background who gives a bigger perspective that this game is a whole lot bigger than anybody realizes because she's already played in a form, not the circuit. Hers was not a circus, but she was part of the, the game, the previous game. Well, the, at least in their game that Sukiko was um, the winner of, like mm-hmm. it was only the fates of her and the other wizard. <laughs> like, yeah, this is so selfishly created. Oh yeah, because the two gameplay um, game masters, the ones who put it, it Prospero and um, what's his name, A H or Alexander Manning Gray, <laughs> the Manning Gray. Yeah, they were so busy trying to one up each other, it was going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I know that they kept saying, "When is this over? When is this over?" And I kept thinking, "Wow, this game is playing a long. It's a long game," but. I think I uh, understood the stakes from the beginning. I know it'd be like a fight to the death kind of thing, but I just didn't think it would take so long. Oh, it all felt, I don't know why it is such a long book. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I was trying to put my finger on that as I listened again, because it's like, okay, now I see where Bailey's day is going and his experience as, that leads him into the circus. And... Celia and Marco are going to have these plot points. Why am I only halfway through the book in seven hours? I think I like, I can't I like any part to cut. <laughs> no, I love when they, when, even though it wasn't part of the plot, but when they revealed different tents, to me, it was a very Alice in Wonderland feel. You know, you open me, drink me, go into this tent and experience. It wasn't like a circus with animals. It was basically like a small city of tents, and each tent gave you a different experience. That would be and, amazing. And then can't you feel sorry for the for the poor fortune teller girlfriend who gets strung along? <laughs> I feel medium about her. Like I like Isabel. Everybody loves Isabel too. Like even though she this, this there's this love triangle between Isabel and Marco and Celia. Um and Celia's the only one who doesn't realize she's in a triangle. <laughs> um, Isabel realizes it, but, and she wants, you know, Celia's her, her, her rival, love rival, but it doesn't matter because she really likes Celia. 
and you know, she looks after her. Um, and Celia in turn after all of them. Um, so that's a little, like, I, I think that uh, Isabel was not as deeply invested in Marco as she claims either, though. Even oh, okay. Her, because he, in a sense, he's her rebound because she escaped. Well, maybe not. No, because she wasn't in love with the marriage. That was an arranged marriage. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings about Isabel. I feel bad for her because it's like, wise up, girlfriend. But, but she does it to herself. Yeah. You know, and she is an important, and she's an important part of the circus. Yeah. Some things, yeah. Uh, this question I was just reading through says, Isabel is a silent yet integral partner in both the circus and the competition. She is an ally in uh, Sukiko, but seemingly in no one else, especially not Marco. How does Marco's underestimation of Isabel affect the outcome of the competition? Well, I believe the simplest charms are the most effective is what she says. So he takes her under his wing when they meet and he starts teaching her simple charms and how, and magic. Um, and they both have students really. And both their students become like both their sets of students become integral to the survival of the um, circus. So Isabel has this balance charm that she's been protecting, created and protected. And nobody else knew how important that balance charm was until she yeah. undid it and then begins to unravel the circus. Wow. Yeah. Hertisen gets murdered. So the heart of the circus is murdered. I mean, mm -hmm. it still goes on, but the heart of the circus is murdered. Isabel undoes her simple charm <laughs> that I don't think Marco ever imagined she was capable of even the thought of it. Mm -mm. He just, uh, he used her in the way that some of the other the people that helped form the circus and give it money and and supplies that they were also used they're yeah, just tools a consumable tool and then um so so isabel and sukiko think that they're gonna save celia and they mm -hmm. convince marco to bind himself to the circus only to find out that that's not the right solution. <laughs> like, mm. so Isabel is integral because she has a charm that's balancing the circus. And then she and Sukiko think that they've saved the day when in fact they didn't need to do this. <laughs> so she's pretty important, but like nobody's paying attention to how important she is. She's like that minor character in any kind of a movie that you overlook until you realize they were the murderer the whole time, you know, but not really, not in this case. <laughs> of course, and that's one of the things I wanted to listen to more carefully, and maybe you'll know this, Karen, like, so she takes the hat box out. She unties the ribbon binding her missing magician tarot card and his bowler hat. Was there anything of Celia's in that? I don't remember. Um, I mean, but there must be, if she was trying to balance, she couldn't just have one portion of it. She would have to have something representing each side, I would think, but I don't remember. Yeah, Katie? Um, I was just looking through other questions. Um, how do you view the morality of the circus in regards to the performers and developers being unknown pawns in Celia and Marco's competition? 
do they owe an explanation to their peers about their unwitting involvement? Yes. Yeah, because all these people think they're just working in this amazing circus and they don't know that it's a game. They don't know that their whole livelihood. I mean, I think there's that point where Celia's like, all these people are now family. They're close and they're depending on us keeping them going. What happens to them? This is bigger than just you and me in a competition. You know, I, but how do you tell someone that their life is part of a game, that they're not that they're not living the life that they, that they think, that the world around them outside of the circus is a very different thing than what they think. I mean, if you say that, do you wreck their whole psyche? Do you make things worse by telling them the truth about their lives or do you just let them go on? I don't know. I mean, I, it, it wouldn't have worked. But it would have, I mean, if we're going to speak of morality, like, I think the moral thing to do would have been to let each of the performers have informed consent. Mm -hmm. That's like, true. But then you'd have to reveal the game. Yeah. But I, I think that part of it was decided outside, not by Marco and Celia. I think that was by the team of people with, um, look at the characters. No, no, no. That wasn't just, no, this is a creation of Alexander and Prospero. But all the detail, okay, but they had the outline of the circus. Yeah, but, but I think didn't know that see, they making its this competitors thing. are the ones who are adding and building this. If you're in a world building uh, RPG, right? This is kind of like a world like that. The players are building this world bigger than the intended develop the initial developers yes but the circus makers except alexander because he's the only one who so prospero planted the seed in chandresh's mind alexander went to the meetings but he didn't give any material participation mm. circus makers didn't know what they were making like they knew they were making an extraordinary circus and an extraordinary mm. but they didn't they didn't know it was a game because Tara doesn't know what she has wrapped herself up in. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's asking questions. And that's why Marco is, you know, <laughs> scrambling the brains of Chandresh by putting memory charms on him all the time because she, he, he doesn't want him to catch on. I always was thinking also that the circus is kind of like a drug in that as long it the excitement of it all the was like this drug feeding whether it's the rivers who live their whole life waiting for the circus to come back and try to i mean they can't it's they can't they can all it's almost like they can only function in the day the evening the night of the circus everything outside of that they spend most of their waking consciousness thinking about the next hit the next drug of when the circus comes and I thought that as long as Alexander, not Alexander, Shadrash was um, that the prolonged, just like an addict over time starts to deteriorate, their quality of life deteriorates. I think the reality, it, I think my notes will go back to whether they were a pawn or whether they were, whether they were a manipulator or whether they were part of it. I was thinking that Shadrash was, I'm saying his wrong name completely wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
as the effects, the long-term effects were affecting him, that also it's kind of like the drug. It's it, the, rea the reality of being manipulated was having its effect on him. Um, and he went mad. Yep. Um, it's interesting, like everybody's personality um, got amplified. Like Chandresh is always drinking. So he lost his mind. Yeah. Like he lost his mind and then he falls into the bottom of a bottle. But you, you see those things that like his foible is his drinking and he falls mm -hmm. deeper into his drinking as um, the misdirection. And then like Tara's undoing is the inability to put her finger on the details. And that's one of the things that the, um, gosh, the Burgess, no, not Burgess. Is that right? The Burgess sisters. Burgesses, yeah. What about her sister? Lainey didn't seem to have that problem. Because she stayed with the circus, I think. Mm. I think that's, that's why right. she was insulated because she's like in the circus. So she's not. So she's, she's, she stays in the bubble. Yeah. Now what's interesting is that the architect, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, I can look him up. Um, that he, he's fine with everything. <laughs> He's not going mad. His work is not suffering. He's mm -hmm. happy to help both the magicians. He's fine. Um, one of these questions says... Um, Ethan Barris. Ethan Barris. Mr. Barris. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this question says, Mr. Barris, Frederick Thiessen, um, Madame Padva, is that her name? Padma, uh, the costumer. I and, loved her. And Mr. Bailey or, or Bailey are aware that the circus has made a profound and explicable change in their lives, but they each choose not to explore the depths of these changes. Thiessen states, I prefer to remain unenlightened to better appreciate the dark. Do you agree with the standpoint? What inherent dangers accompany a purposeful ignorance and what dangers present themselves when ignorance is not chosen? Is there... Is one choice safer or better than the other, or are they equally fraught? Uh, no, I think that that's an easy answer. That that's what we were just exploring. Is like Bailey improves his life. Mm -hmm. um, that's true. He he chain he reaches out. He does more than what his parent. He doesn't stay on the farm. He reaches out to try to pursue his dream. So for him, that worked out. And Ferris um, is fine. He's thriving. He's found a way to manage his willful ignorance <laughs> against its effect on him. Uh, I think Thiessen, his life actually improved because he became famous. He started a movement. You know, a whole group of people, you know, followed him because of his... I mean, he went from being a, a creative, simple clockwork, and then he started applying... Oh. parts of the circus into his work and he became world famous and more people wanted his clocks in his home so he also profited from from his connection to the until he was murdered until he was murdered <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you can profit until you question and then <laughs> the danger is not so much the ignorance as it's the um closeness and presence at the at the actual circus mm-hmm mm -hmm. Um, Celia tells Bailey that he is, quote, not destined or chosen to be the next proprietor of the circus. He is simply in the right place at the right time and cares enough to do what needs to be done. Sometimes that's enough. In this situation, is it enough? 
Can the responsibility of maintaining the circus be trusted to just anyone or despite Celia's assertion, is Bailey truly special? I think that, and that might answer the earlier question too, of like, is this a manipulated situation or fate? Like maybe this story doesn't believe in fate. Maybe this story believes in being the product of your surroundings. Cause that's something that um, Sukiko says in her like rant against these silly wizard games is like the, the teachers, Prospero and Alexander, they're unwilling to acknowledge the effects of yeah. kind of like it doesn't affect them so they don't care. It's all part of the game. Well, they're both yeah. having this philosophical argument. Like Okay, but how can you just there's then there's the moral question of how what how can they justify wrecking so many people's lives just for their amusement? Yeah. So they're having this philosophical exploration that's spanning centuries, perhaps, and destroying lives. <laughs> and and Sukiko is like, they don't understand the, the effects of this experience on... So it's not like the... Because she falls in love with her competitor as well. That's true. And that's the effect of the situation. So, like, perhaps Bailey is not special, but he, like all of us... Like, we're all exposed to wondrous but things. He is, but he is special because he's the only one that pursued to the point, I mean, who left everything really to be part of this. And he seems to, he needs, he was important because he's the only one that was almost fated to be the care, the caretaker, the future caretaker. I mean, and then how lucky, I mean, how lucky would he have to be to have the runaway and happen to just run into two people with money who can take him in and take him along the road and get him who become a vehicle to get him to the circus because and, like, he was asks itself again was that fate it must have been I think it had to be fate because no one is that lucky but reverers but the reverers were near the circus and it is their nature to bring others into the fold so is that fate or right place right time again because that's the nature of the reverers well it's the nature of some rivers i think because I think Elizabeth was talking about, like, even talking about that a little bit. Was it? No, it wasn't Elizabeth. It was Lorena. Lorena, who was with Victor. Oh, I'm trying to make my, see my point. Because um, I don't know that, I mean, there was other river. I'm sure they weren't the only rivers, but those were the only rivers that chose to bring him along. Um, the other thing about, like, the effects of the circus on people and is it fate or is it effect? Um, like, oh goodness, where did it go? Never <laughs> mind. I don't have the other thing. <laughs> okay. So I have one last question here that might be a good way to like wrap it up. Okay. Um, it says at the closing of the novel, we're left to believe that the circus is still traveling. Bailey's business card provides an email address as his contact information. How do you think the circus would fare over t over time? Would the circus need to evolve to suit each generation, or is it distinctive enough to transcend time? I think it. I think it is distinctive enough. I like the idea that it has continued on to present time. There, you know, I presume with the email address that that is the author's yeah. message to us, and that's where I put my finger on it being the third timeline. Um, uh -huh. 
in the now. It, yeah. It's interesting because we live in such a like marvelous time where people are nonplussed by the marvels. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a, a fair and interesting question. Like, would the circus evolve in such a way that it could keep its mystery and keep its wonder? I think, I think there's an, the circus is so varied because even at its time, there's so many different tents that offer different things. I think some tents would evolve to include newer, fresher, more modern interests, but still, I don't know the whole mystery think about the mystery of being able to have to be at a circus at midnight to be before midnight to even be there and the hours the mystery alone I think would be intriguing I think it's interesting to think about because in modern times something magical can happen like a monolith can appear in the desert and you automatically believe it's a marketing stunt so like this could pop up somewhere near your town and you'd be like well whose marketing stunt is this you know yeah Aliens. What? Aliens. Yeah, aliens. Like Alien circus. <laughs> I don't know if people are more, um, uh, not wary, but like aware, I guess, of stunts like that these days than they probably were. Because things go viral in the present time and age where they couldn't in the past just due to like, that's just not the way that, you know, news would travel. So I don't know. No, but maybe their viral just look different. Or is this even viral? Like it is like an underground almost. Like it's, yeah, it's I don't know. It's, it's, it you're not getting like massive, you're not getting a flash mobs at the night circus. But you might in the present, in 2020. Oh, that's true. Because the nature of how a flash mob is just like really fast. How information travels, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I've reached the end of my questions, so if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, this is your time, because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I think we could go around any other good books you've been reading this month. Oh, all of those are on my Kindle. <laughs> um, you say something while I look up my <laughs> Amazon, look it up on Amazon. <laughs> like a strange experience going on while I was reading this, because I had two books I wanted to read in October. Um, and one is the actual novel that, um, like Lovecraft Country, which I lent to my son. And so that got, um, sidelined maybe next, next October, I'll get to it back. Um, and then the other one was Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, which is also about a mysterious circus that just appears in the dead of night. Oh. And it's a magical, strange circus, only it is completely. I never knew that. <laughs> It's so fun. <laughs> and um, it's very good, but it's weird to be reading two books at the same time about mysterious circuses. <laughs> That's so oh, okay. confusing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think there's this one thing that happened, and I don't know if it was in these books or maybe it was even in like a show I watched this. <laughs> but I really like Ray Bradbury. I, um, mm hmm. I like his Halloween books anyway. Those are the ones I've really read. Because Fahrenheit 451 was assigned and I never read any of the assigned books. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, I have been on a kick of like trying to watch a movie every night. Um, in 
like because this is december so i've been trying to watch a christmas movie every night which means i don't have a lot of time in the evening which is when i normally would read so i haven't really read anything except that i'm trying to also keep up with my other book club where we're reading little women so i have three chapters a week that i need to keep up with with that book so i'm still working on little women <laughs> good good it's plug it in my phone so i don't die <laughs> Um, I started listening to a podcast, but there's a book that's been made off the podcast called Alice Isn't Dead. And um, it's kind of creepy spooky, but not. It's this, it's kind of done I in the voice. This. Huh? No, go ahead. Finish. Okay. About it it's, recently, it's, it's a, um, no, I, I plugged in, so we're good. <laughs> It's a truck driver, and she thinks her wife is dead, only she realizes that as she goes place to place and she hears these things in the news about murders and weird bad things that are happening, that her wife is in the crowd at each one of these things that are happening. And so she's searching for her, and she's, she's talking to herself kind of like breaker, breaker, you know, it, some of the story breaks up a little bit. It's narrated by the podcast and the audiobook are narrated by Jessica Nicole, which if you were a fan of Fringe and a lot of other shows, she um, was Agent Farnsworth. And, uh, but, and I follow her on Instagram. Super creative person. She like makes everything um, crafty. So she's like all like, kind of like us. Nice. But no, it's really, it's interesting how she, um, she talks about it. It's by Joseph Fink. And um, there's another series also from the podcast called Welcome to Night Vale. So that are kind of that small town criminal, but also with aliens kind of thing. <laughs> um, Welcome to Night Vale is like a groundbreaking podcast. I've never listened to it, but I've heard like people who love it. So good. It is so good. Um, yeah. no, I think I, what I thought you were going to talk about is I think I heard a podcaster share that they were on a, um, like a true crime podcast and they shared the story of someone who was murdered. And then that person emailed them later and said, I was not murdered. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't rumors, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I can remember the whole context of that. Oh, know. and also a starless sea because you got me stuck on another Aaron Morgenstern. Okay, so you are reading uh, that. So I'm going to take it out of my, I am almost done. It's so good. I can listen to it. So that's great. Good news. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll well, take it on my future selections. Well, I think this means that it's Karen's turn to pick our next book. So what are we going to read next? We're, I went through a couple of lists and I saw that there is a list that came out last year of mini books by six different authors. And I thought those are great because only an hour each, but they're only on Amazon. So, but I took the list of those authors and went searching in their work and um, let me pull up. So what we're going to read next is A Gentleman in Moscow, a, no a novel. It's called a novel by Amor Tolls. Amor Tolls. And basically a guy is sentenced, sentenced as a criminal and he, he, he's free to go as long as he never leaves the hotel for 30 years. And all the things that kind of, there's stuff that happens to him. That's murders mystery thriller so a gentleman in moscow That's moscow and is that possibly like is that that man's real name yeah. Game Tolls. like you uh, hear no no it's not batman this is a real author's name 
<laughs> is that really his name? Yeah. Don't you hear it? No. Amortals? No. Immortal? Oh, <laughs> maybe I'm immortal. I'm <laughs> Karen, you said that um it was inspired by like mini books, so I looked up the length of this book. It's 17 hours long. No, no, no. This was not the one that was mini books. The reason I didn't do it is it made me think maybe that it would be a shorter book. Oh no, sorry. I would have okay, I would have picked the other one that was called uh hold on. Let me go to my can uh, it's called Forward, the Forward Collection, but they're only available on Kindle, and I didn't know how many people. Yeah. Um. Now, if y'all are okay, I could change my book selection and no, make it fine. really, really fast. No, but no, it's fine. My well, turn. Six hours. Seventeen is only almost three times as long. I mean, it's fine. We got a month. Fifty-two minutes. You know what? We read Grapes of Wrath and that was 21 hours. I just looked. So it's oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> and I promise never to be Grapes of Wrath long ever. So when, uh, when it's my turn to pick, I will take that into account and we'll have like a three or four hour long book. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine because January is a much less busy month. So yeah. So if you look up forward on Amazon, um actually they're free there's six books and they're each about a one hour read so if you're listening to it it's going to be even faster nice um but they have nk jemison blake crouch um the gal who brought you the divergent series uh on audible because that's an amazon property they're it's an amazon yep yep i don't know if the amazon part is free but um yeah i was like because I'm a real fan of Blake Crouch and um, and there's another one. There's a, it's like all these people that I've read before are all collected together. And I thought that's pretty oh. awesome. Yeah. The guy, who, the guy who, wrote, who wrote The Martian that they made a movie out of, he's one of them. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right, then. Cool. So, well, A Gentleman in Moscow. A gentleman in Moscow. All right. All righty. Well, um, then we will see you in a month for that book. All right. Yay. All right. Bye, well, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays.